Welcome to episode one of the Zero Analytics Podcast with Jamie Lewis. Today's guest will be Richie Hornsby of Salisbury, Maryland. Richie's a longtime racer turned crew chief and tire guy. He heads up the program for a couple teams that race in the regional area in both the PA, Virginia, and North Carolina series. Throughout our conversation, we touch base on the past, the present, and the future of, of karting. A lot of people have asked and sent messages about what this podcast will be, and I can tell you that even after the first episode, I have absolutely no idea. But I will tell you that I had a great time, and I'm not going to stop anytime soon. I think that anyone listening to this at any level will pick up something. Even people that aren't in the sport will recognize names and stories of the past. I hope it starts to spark the thought process for teams that either travel or getting into the sport, or even thinking about traveling a little bit. Uh, there's no cure-all recipe to fix your program or anything like that. But I hope throughout this process, the one thing that everyone will realize is we all have a passion for the sport, and everyone has a different way of getting to the front. There's no right or wrong way. Put the time in, and you'll get the results you're looking for. So again... This was a little clunky from the beginning. There's probably too many ums thrown in there. But if you can hang with us, I promise you it'll become better as the monkey behind the mic gets things rolling. So again, I appreciate your time. We ended up actually recording for about two and a half hours. I'm going to release the Richie Hornsby interview slash conversation in a two-part series. The first part will come out and a few days later, once I have time to edit it a little bit, I'll also have the second part out. We initially talked about how everything was going to be laid out and it ended up just being a free-flowing conversation. Um, we don't want to, I didn't want it to be more of a scripted outline type thing. There are a couple times when we get slow that I kind of refer to a couple questions that I kind of pre-thought out, but other than that, we just kind of go where the conversation takes us. We jump around from his racing to current racing to past racing to people that have supported the sport locally and people that have helped our programs throughout the years. So if you see Richie, I do encourage you to stop by, tell him thank you for his time. It's not easy to get on here and talk and not know who's going to listen to it. It's, it's easy to talk in the shop and have those conversations and it's something that we wanted to do together is to have more of a conversation than an interview. Just like when we were younger and we went down to the speed shop. You couldn't help but hang around, hear something, and get a little bit better at your own, your own program. So I hope this turns into that and throughout the conversation, if you don't laugh out loud, that's probably going to be your own fault. Uh, both of us have a pretty good sense of humor. And the additional thing I'll say is there are a few cuss words, nothing crazy, nothing more than you would hear in any local race shop or race track, but I do want to give you a heads up just in case you have kids listening. Uh, I certainly do welcome your, your constructive criticism moving forward. Um, I'll gladly try to make it a better, a better product moving forward, and I certainly do welcome any kind of feedback I get. And if you do see Richie, please stop by, tell him thank you, introduce yourself, and tell him how much you appreciate it, because I certainly did. Ladies and gentlemen, none other than my friend, Richie Hornsby. I got rice cooking in the microwave, got a three-day beard I don't plan to shave, and it's a goofy thing, but I just gotta say, hey. I'm a doing all right. I don't know, man. We can start whenever. We'll see how it goes. Um, yeah. So we're here for the first ever Zero Analytics podcast with um, none other than the number one, <laughs> Richie Hornsby. Uh, we've been friends for quite some time, and talked about doing this podcast for a while. I don't think he ever realized that um, I always intended him on being my first guest, but he didn't realize that. So I kind of put him on the spot, and uh, I guess he felt vulnerable. So here he is. Say hi, Richie. Good to see you, Jay. It's been a couple years, I think. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Any more, uh, like little girls texting back and forth about UFC fights and stuff, <laughs> but not too much about racing. So it's good to see you again. 
So what are you what are you up to these days, man? Uh, uh, not a whole lot. Just uh, kind of been racing with a few different people. I stopped racing myself a couple years ago, but recently I've been helping Michaela Johnson since probably 2012. Uh, last summer I started racing with Cole Niebert. I got another kid, uh, Austin Lathram from Southern Maryland. He's coming on board this year. His dad, Jamie's uh, well-known in the dirt late model community, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I didn't know that. I mean, I definitely recognize the last name a little bit, so that's, that's a good deal, man. Um, what, uh, like, as far as the off-season looks like, have you guys started getting ready yet? It's still, it's late February right now. The weather's pretty shitty outside, so. <laughs> yeah, I've tried to get ready. I got some tires ready. We need to get to the track to get some stuff scuffed, but, uh. I don't know, it's hard to do in this area. Hopefully, uh, the next couple weekends we can get on the track. And uh plan on going racing with Cole and Austin a couple weeks at Capital City to get things going. Good deal, good deal. So, um, admittedly, I was kind of looking for some stories to get this thing started off. And uh, I posted on Facebook, and one of the main things that popped up that I actually had forgotten about was um, the go-kart getting stolen at Thanksgiving Thunder a few years ago. Um, unfortunately... Uh, people know know about that, but it, whatever happened with that? Um, what's what's the story behind that? I don't really know if I ever found out. Uh, well, nothing ever happened with it. <laughs> she gone. She's gone. I never heard nothing more about it. I filed her police report and I tried to get up with Troy Duncan a couple times. At, you know, the guy that runs the series at Thunder. Right. Uh, never did hear anything. There was uh, I was down there with Chris Stell just actually. It was the last day of Thunder or whatever, and uh. I don't, we had started loading up. It was the end of the night, and they had, like, one more race. I think the big limited race or whatever, and I was like, man, let's run up to the fence and catch this limited race. We went up there, and uh, I got back to the trailer before Chris did, and we had already loaded his shit up, and I didn't see my cart, and I kind of thought, like, maybe he was playing a joke on me or something, and I don't it just, it wasn't there. Then I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off for about 30 minutes, and I never heard nothing of it, man. They're, they actually caught a guy uh, down the street that night. I guess there was some other stuff that had been stolen there. And they had found him with a couple, he had a couple go-kart things in his possession. And I was hoping they could all link it together somehow, but no, never heard nothing of it. I still actually get on uh, the classifieds, and I'll look for some 2016 <laughs> recon to see if I can see something that fits the description, but I haven't had much luck with it. Right, and I, you know, every couple of years, especially at, at Thunder, it seems to happen once a year or so that, um, maybe not recently, but not, when we were going down there, is you'd hear about a set of tires disappearing mm -hmm. and stuff like that, or a motor, two motors, clutches, it's just, uh, it's crazy, you know, especially somewhere like that, you know yourself, when you get parked kind of in the back rows, oh, yeah. it's, uh, there's a bunch of critters back there, you just never know what's going to come around, and a lot of times it just seems like all this stuff is set up. There's no way they can just go, like, watch you walk to the fence and then grab a, you know, grab everything and get the hell out of there. Yeah. So it's unfortunate, and I'm, it's unfortunate for someone that that has a big budget, especially someone like yourself that didn't. I mean, it's got to be a pretty big, a pretty big setback, you know. I mean, that's not a, a cheap bill to replace a chassis. You know, it's hard enough to replace tires from week to week. Yeah, it seems like it happens every year down there. That's the bad part. I remember, I, I think Bajor got some stuff stolen one year, and I remember hearing something about some hot boxes and. Even the following year, I went back down there, and Saturday night over the intercom, they're going on about shit that's been missing, and yeah, it, it's a tough deal. Yeah, I, I think the last time I was down there with um, with Alex White, I want to say there was um, some fire equipment was stolen out. Yeah, yeah, that's actually the guy that got pulled over down the street the night my cart got stolen, had that fire equipment, and I think he had a couple other, like air gauges or something. I was hoping they could link that all together and who knows how much they really investigated it. Yeah, they, they decided to start their program for next year early. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So But yeah, that was a that was a pretty major setback. It all kinda sucked. I mean the car only had a couple races on it. The motor was brand new, clutch was brand new and it's not like they even got a DeWalt impact that was still in it. Luckily I took my helmet and shit out of the seat or they would have had that too. Yeah, it's uh, it's not like you can call up your insurance company and be like, "Hey, man, I need four, <laughs> I need four or five grand to replace my uh, my race program." But, it would have uh, been nice. Yeah, absolutely. So, what uh, outside of go kart racing, man, what uh, what are you into other than um, texting me back and forth about USC fights and stuff like that? Um, man, not a whole lot. That's probably pretty boring to most people. I I enjoy bass fishing. I like watching the UFC. I don't know, cutting up with friends, hanging out, nothing nothing major. Gotcha, you still playing any kind of uh, Texas Hold'em, any kind of cards? No, like no, no, they, uh, 
when the online poker got shut down, that kind of put me out of the game pretty good. Gotcha, gotcha. I, I don't mind going to the casino every now and again, but I haven't been lately. All right. Yeah, that used to be um, back a few years ago. We used to go to Croppers for like the a couple of big annual tournaments, you know, to start the season. It was kind of a good way to kick it off with a bunch of guys. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I don't know. It seems I don't know if the poker things kind of went downhill or it's not as popular, but yeah. it definitely had a boom there for a while. It seemed like everybody was kind of into it. Yeah, it's kind of like go kart racing, man. So <laughs> it all kind of comes like a roller coaster. You yeah. know, it builds and it fades and builds and fades and stuff like that. But um, yeah. So uh, <laughs> so moving into this season, if you have um, what are what are you planning on doing with? Uh, the Latham kid. What series you guys plan on running? Is he going to just join you at the series that you're running with Cole or, or Michaela and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, they're kind of taking care of their car. I'm not really getting too involved with the go-kart side of it. He's going to take care of that and just just kind of meet him at the track. I'm going to handle all his tire stuff. And uh, Right now, we're kind of planning on running VDK, the North Carolina-Virginia Money Series. Obviously, like the money races at Capital City and Elizabeth City and uh, maybe even the Pennsylvania series. We're gonna go to the first couple and see how that goes. The uh, the PA Maxi series yeah, up there. Yeah. So where are they running at this year with those? Um, ah, I think uh, the first couple's at Hunterstown. They actually got one that's uh, gonna be in conjunction with I don't know if it's a VDK race or NCV NCVA race at uh, Capital City. And then there's a couple uh, I don't a couple tracks I've never even heard of. Uh, hell, I don't even know the name of one of them. And I think they're also going to Susquehanna, which is a stock car track, which is a pretty, pretty big track. I don't know how that'll, how that'll be, or if we'll even still still be running it by that time. But we'll see how it goes. Gotcha, gotcha. We ran the PA series up there in, in Hunterstown a couple times. It's, it's um, it's almost like a, it's pretty similar to like the Delaware tracks as far as kind of like what works and the, yeah. same, the same program stuff like that. I've always liked going to Hunterstown, man. That track it gets pretty damn good and. <clears throat> It's not a bad ride. You can kind of go up there in the morning and come home at night if you choose to, you know. I don't like getting... When you get much farther than like four, four and a half hours away from the house, it kind of takes the fun out of it. So mm-hmm. we're trying to stay in that range for the most part this year. Yeah, man, that's... um. seems like any more... You're not going to have any more fun going eight hours than you are four hours. You know? No. <clears throat> I know. Even like my, my younger brother last year, he stayed very close to home and, I mean... Ran a couple of money races. Seems like every track, even the little, you know, the smaller tracks that are more local, are offering, you know, five hundred to win locals like winning two thousand going away after you pay for it. Oh, you know, absolutely, gas absolutely. And, food. and it seems like you know the money races around here kind of, they kind of got out of control there for a while. Yeah, almost probably too many money races in the area, and it probably hurt a little bit. But I always enjoyed being able to run for five hundred dollars every week around the house. It was. It was good for people like us. Yeah, man, absolutely, because it's, you know, $500, if you're close to home, will, I mean, pretty much pay for your racing for a couple, you know, almost a couple months, depending on what you're doing and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, like you said, you spend 500 just to get to the next track and then oh, the yeah. entry fees, and it's crazy. But, uh, it you know, like everything else, it, everything goes up, nothing's coming down. But, um, so as far as... Um, how did you get hooked up with the, the Latham kid? Actually, I, like I said, this is the first I heard about it. You know, I'm, I'm glad. Um, I've kind of, I've known them guys for a while. Uh, I know, I've known J.P. Gates for a long time. They're real close friends. and uh, He actually wanted to do something last year. Um, well, see, in 2017, I traveled around with Hunter Heck. We went to, hell, we were running quite a bit. I don't know. We probably ran 20 times anyway, you know, outside of Delaware, Maryland. And then that off season, Jamie had got up with me about potentially doing something, and at the same time, the Hex they kind of got out of the sport. I didn't, I didn't know how often I would even be away from Delaware, so I didn't really want to commit to anything. And then, you know, this past winter, he called me again, and I had to deal with Cole, and I was like, let me see what I can put together here, and maybe this will benefit all of us. You know what I mean? So I kind of put a deal together. That's good, man. I, I, uh, I you know, the last. The last few years, I really just focused on Alex White stuff. But I know before there had been some times throughout my little tire career, so to speak, that um, we would have, you know, see a guy in junior two and then junior three, and then we would be in the adult classes. And especially with you, if you're kind of rather you're doing all the tires or kind of guiding the program and working together, I mean, it's only going to benefit you because, you know, especially this time of year when the weather changing, you know, trying to keep up with the track and stuff, it's it's just going to give you more feedback and it's going to help, you know, should help you all in return. So. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a 
it's a lot of work, you know, to go to them races and run six, seven classes, but it, at the same time, you learn a lot more, and you learn a lot more a lot quicker as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, especially when there's a chain, you know, every once in a while the tires will kind of change up a little bit, or you get stuck with some older stuff, and just, you know, trying to, trying to pinpoint that, it gets there a lot quicker when you can run six or seven classes, as opposed to, you know, what we could afford to run when we were younger, like one or two. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um... I mean, I don't know how much the junior two and the adult stuff kind of. Shit, throw a blank here. You're yep. the first well, cut. Well, I mean, they might not. <laughs> they might not compare as far as like if if one tire's fast and junior two, it'll be the right tire to be on. But you know, if you're on a tire that's punching, you know, fifty three and it's got seventy five cc's rolling it, you know, what I mean, the next whatever the equivalent is, like you might find that you always need to be on. A little more aggressive inside. I mean, it kind of will relate to that. Not maybe not so much like, hey, you got to run this tire, but it'll kind of give you an idea of at least where to get close. Absolutely. Um, you know, and <clears throat> so many times too, you, you know, you work all day to get to the feature, and your first feature you get run over, you spin out, and man, you're behind the eight ball already. Mm-hmm. So especially being able to fill those gaps in, then uh, I hope that works out for you guys. Yeah, well, I got that. <clears throat> yeah, you good. Well, and, um. So you keep up with, I mean, outside of just go-kart racing, like, you're a pretty pretty enthusiastic race chaser as far as, like, the dirt late models. and just, I mean, dirt tracks in general, you know? Like, whenever I kind of have a question or see something, I'm like, hey, man, what's going on with this? And, yeah, I, you know, you're like the Wikipedia of dirt <laughs> racing. For, for me, anyway, I know it's, it might not be that way for everyone, but, uh, uh, you know, you're always, like, my kind of, like, my leading source as far as that goes. Yeah, I follow a lot of racing, uh, really into the dirt late models, and here recently, the past few years, I'd have been up to Pennsylvania quite a bit to watch the 410 sprint cars. I've kind of took a liking to them. I enjoy them. and But yeah, just about any of it. There's not much racing you couldn't bring up and I wouldn't be able to tell you a little something about it or at least give my opinion on it or, you know, I keep up with it. That's for sure. Right. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, so when you were when you were younger, how did you get, how did you get into um, racing in general? I mean, I know that you know, your dad was, you know, has always been, like, one of the top guys around as far as, like, helping guys get rolling and stuff like that on the, the bigger track. Is how did is that how you initially got introduced to the Yeah, pr- Yeah, pretty much. Uh, my dad, he raced carts for a couple years in the early 90s. You know, nothing major, just local stuff. Um, hell, I was at the track when I was in my diapers. Like, he used to drive the water truck at the at the speedway over there. I got pictures of, you know, being in the infield when I was a couple weeks old, and I don't know, he got out of it, he only raced a couple of years and got out of it, and that's when he was starting to help guys with stock cars, he was with Hal Browning and Gary Gollop, and he helped Jake Marine for a while, and I don't know, I didn't actually start racing until I was 12, I'm not sure why it took so long, or if, I think he was just into the stock car stuff and enjoying that, and right. he did his thing for a while. Yeah, and that, you know, the stock car stuff, especially, you know, my brother and I, we grew up, we, um... You know, there's always a stock car at our house, and the amount of time it takes, and the amount of people it takes just to maintain a local dirt car. I mean, you gotta, Man. you know, you gotta give up three or four nights. You know, if you tear up something, you're gonna give up a whole night somewhere. Yeah, it it takes a good night just to get everything clean. You know, <clears throat> I can the go kart shit's enough for me to try yeah. to keep up with. I, yeah, them guys that do the stock car stuff, they gotta want it. Yeah, yeah. So, did you uh, when you were at the track? I know when I was younger, and um. We had Elwood Driscoll and then J.C. Webster used to keep their cars there, like, at different times. But did you have, like, the little scraper? Like, did you always go around taking mud off the front of the grills and stuff like that, making big balls and stuff at the track? Or? I don't remember actually doing a whole lot of stuff like that. I was I was more so, like, in the stands playing around. I, I don't remember being back in the pits a whole lot. So were you out there? Were you the kid? Well, back then, I only think they, they didn't even let kids in the pits when that I recall. Yeah, for, the, like, the younger ones and stuff. Oh, yeah. So, um, so were you the kid up there with the checker flag set? Like, yeah, that was yeah. me. Wearing the helmet. <laughs> yeah. My helmet to buy the souvenir. Uh, probably, you probably had uh, tear-offs up there too, right? If you're Play, Playing baseball board. back behind the stands and all that stuff. Cup ball, that's funny. So, <laughs> that's funny. That's uh, And speaking of your dad, I mean, that's one of my first memories about racing. We, I was down to, because um, your dad and my dad know each other. From, mm-hmm. you know, Hopefully that doesn't come up in, in your arrest made. But... <laughs> But um, as far as, like, I remember being down to Chris Thomas's house, and, um, and your dad was there, and, like, going down to Ross's Beach out to get a sprocket because something broke and stuff. It's, like, one of the first things I remember. Yeah. I just, 
always, you know, even us racing against each other, um, as far as not not so much you and I, we only did that. I was a little bit fatter than you, so yeah, we didn't race against each other very often, did we? No, no, and uh, probably made things go a little bit smoother, <laughs> but uh, you know, I was always probably we're still cool, yeah, probably, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we wouldn't be sitting here if we did. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, I always saw, you know, Brandon White at the time, who was Alex's younger brother, yeah. when he raced, and we raced against each other and stuff like that. But, um, that, you know, we always try to, like, talk back and forth, and we never really had any big risks and stuff like that. So it's kind of, you know. Yeah, speaking of uh, the Chris Thomas deal, I think my dad, he used to keep his cart there, right? For a while. I, I don't, I'm so young. I mean, that was back when I was, like, I remember him keeping so. the cart there, and, and actually, I think... I could be wrong, but somewhere, I think there's some VHS tapes or some pictures of all you guys over there, because he had, like, a little practice track right, right or a little backyard track. Yeah, and uh, the old yard cart I had, like, I couldn't, the way the spindles were set up, you couldn't make sharp left-hand turns. So <laughs> everything had to be right-hand turn, and remember, Chris had a five horsepower, a five and a half. I think I had a three and a half, and I was like, man, you know what I mean? I was, like, getting used to losing back then. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, I, think- I had to dig around sometime. I think there's a video or some pictures of that that my mom had took or my dad had took at one time. I, I remember it. I mean, obviously, I wasn't. What three or four years old? But right, I definitely right. remember what you're talking about. So when you, so if you were, how old are you now? I'm 34. 34. Yesterday, I was going to say, man, cheers, my man. <laughs> when we were setting this up, I, uh, we were setting that up. I uh, had no idea your birthday, and I actually sent you a text last night. Yeah, you kind of messed up my whole birthday plans. <laughs> I was like, don't get too drunk, man. Shoot me a ghost tomorrow. And you're like, nah, nah, we'll be good I, did, I didn't just because of this, actually. Well, I appreciate it, man. That's why I brought you some beers today, so you can try to catch up. No, Friday night, night I kind of got a little ahead of myself. But good thing we set this up for Sunday. Yeah, that's why I try to set up. <laughs> I figure once I put it on, the, on Twitter and Facebook, it'd be harder for you to back out. So anyway. <clears throat> No, I was committed. I was all in. <laughs> so, um, so when you started racing, I guess, um, so you're like four or five years younger than I am. So you started racing at the US 13 Car Club. Yeah. So you never actually raced at Piney Neck then, okay. No, no. I think Piney Neck would have closed in 95, or 95 was the first year at Delmar. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, see, 97 was my first season. Oh, okay. I'd have loved to get to race Piney Neck. I hear a lot of cool stories about the place, and I was over there, but... Yeah, that's how I, my first memory there is going with my uncle Ronnie, and um, <clears throat> I was just kind of helping push the go kart. This was back in the days where you had you used to put the go karts down, and you had like the long pole that you mm-hmm. like put around. You just push it down there. But I had Piney Neck, and I I, th- I still enjoy seeing the <laughs> push stick every now and again. Every once in a while, if you go back, uh, there's some lizards in the backyard crew that are out there still doing the same thing. Proving cart stands are just overpriced pieces yeah, of metal to carry that's, around. That's right. What yeah. uh. I remember at Piney Neck, you know, creosote was a big thing back in the day. I think that might have been the only prep back in the day. <laughs> but I used to have white shoes, and I'd like, we had the rollers, and you like spin the tire, and this, every little dot of creosote went on my <laughs> white tennis shoes. I think I got in trouble. I wasn't supposed to wear the white ones out there anyway to get dirty. But um, <laughs> that's funny. So, uh, so when you started racing, I mean, when you stepped into it, you were racing against RJ, right? Yeah, RJ was kicking everybody's ass every yeah. weekend. I was going to say, I mean, that's got to be tough. Like, you get into racing, and you're racing against RJ, <clears throat> RJ Robinson, um, obviously the fame, the son of fame Ronnie Robinson, one that's of the right. uh, original gangsters of <laughs> go-karting. Still is. And he still is. Actually, I, I sent you a text yesterday. I was like, man, I was like, the go-kart gods have spoken. I walked in, uh, my wife and my oldest son, to Outback in Salisbury, and it's about 45 minutes from where I live, and got seated right next to Ronnie and Becky Robinson, and I was like, man, it's like, the go-kart gods have blessed the podcast before it ever starts, and um, they both look good, they were doing well, we talked for a little bit, but... um, Yeah, uh, I I told you earlier, I I see Ronnie every now and again, man, he looks like he could hop back in a go-kart tomorrow and be a serious problem in senior stock. I definitely, definitely. That's why I was joking around earlier. I was like, I don't know what kind of moisturizers they're using. <laughs> but neither one of them have aged in like the past 15 years since I've seen them. Uh, yeah, that's but, the uh, truth. Yeah, and uh, well, yeah, man, so that's, so how, um, so you raced against him all the way through. Did he, did he quit racing while you were still in uh, junior restricted and stuff? No, no, he, uh, I think RJ raced through 2001. He got to run adults for a year or two, but uh, 
Yeah, that first year when I the first year I raced RJ every I think he probably won every race at Del Mar that year. Right. And I wasn't even running second to him. I mean right, we, right. we struggled for a while but yeah, like everybody. But yeah, that was a high mark. Cause, I mean at that time, you know, RJ he was winning everywhere. He'd go to nationals, he was winning it all, man. Yeah, was, absolutely. I know when um when I started racing I um as I kinda just got into it a little bit more, it was always racing against um Richard Jarvis Junior. You know, oh, kinda yeah. kinda the same thing and uh I know for us, if we beat him in a heat race, I was like going back. You know, I was like walking around, slapping high fives. And, uh, it, it's just good, you know, when you can, even though if it's a heat race or qualifying or something, when you can even just get some of those guys on a lap or two. I mean, it's a it's a big accomplishment for people that you know are not in. Yeah, much, you know, it, it, it's just like golfing. You know, if you go golfing, you know, you hit a hundred bad shots, you hit one good shot, and it'll keep you in golf for another couple of years. You know, kind of like racing. You know, if you if you can get out there and outrun them a lap or two. It's, yeah. Yeah, it took a couple years, but we finally started out running them a little bit, and that that was a big, big deal to us. I mean, there was, you know, back then the Delaware State Series, they had a lot. There, you had R.J. Robinson, J.P. Gates was another one. He was racing the Delaware deal, and he he won a couple nationals the year that he was running Delaware. The Matlin kids out of Pennsylvania. Ah, they, the Matlins, yeah, yeah. There was a whole gang of them. And uh, and they were all really good. The number four, I think. Yeah, Bradley. Yeah. And they used I to, think it was Joshua and Matt Matlin. Yeah. There was like four or five yeah, of I was them. Gonna they say, were all was, badass, too. They were. They were all really good, man. I um, That junior class back then was just, I don't know if there's ever been another one like it, really, in this area. As no, far as, absolutely, you know. And uh, <laughs> and I always, I've always been impressed by, like, you know, I, I had forgotten all about the Matlins, but the people that especially live outside of the southeast that can go down south and not that they have to, you know, be the Matt Condo or anything like that, but to consistently run in the top five and, and consistently be up there, it's just people don't realize how much harder it is if no, you don't live in the tough. area, you know, and, uh, and that's not to take anything away from the guys that do because... Uh, you know, just last night, <clears throat> you know, Connell and Yarbrough, I mean, they won the 20 grand bonus. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's just... If you know how hard it was to get into the top five in, like, the Tri-State Series consistently to win that much, it's just, even for someone that we've had a little bit of success, it almost seems impossible. Man. Yeah, it's just, yeah. It's crazy. You know? And it's like every weekend thing for them. Yeah, and it's it, it's crazy. And I just can't even, uh, I can't imagine, you know, just the consistency that they have. I mean, they're, when they have a bad day, they qualify third, you know? I mean, <laughs> and, you know, and it's it just, that's a testament to how, how much they've or worked. a bad day, they finish in the top five and everything and still take home 1200 bucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they only pay for their trip, you know? So, but, yeah, that's a, that's a big deal for them, and, uh, you know, I'm sure this year with Yarborough being back with Connell and you know their whole package, they got they got a good team going oh. on. So it's going to be probably it, it's potentially going to be one of those years where they knock off you know eighty to one hundred and twenty grand and winning. Very possible. They've done it before. Yeah, I, they're off to a good start. <laughs> yeah, they are, man. And it's, been, it's hard to hit them big chunks like that. I mean, you know, a few years ago they had some of them big races that were paying fifty grand and twenty grand, and they don't really have them anymore. It don't seem like. No, it's and you know I I don't necessarily know that um it just never really panned out you know I mean it's it's like I think some people thought if you could throw more money you get more carters and it just it almost did the opposite you know what I mean and I I don't know where the transition was and I, you know I, I think carting has kind of fell off a lot um even even since like late in oh nine two thousand ten like with the financial crisis you get a lot of people that race are more blue blue-collar workers and things like that, and, yeah. you know, when the housing market slows, so does a lot of other things associated, which are, you know, most of us, let's face it, we're not a bunch of engineers, <laughs> you know, I mean, if you're into dirt racing and stuff, for the most part, you know, making vast generalizations, we're all, um, you know, like blue-collar workers and into dirt and doing the right thing and, you know, working hard for it and putting the time in and stuff, so it's, you know, I, I feel like it's starting to build back up, uh, there's a couple new series just since I've really kind of been out it for the last two years with, uh, the series, I guess, and then also... Yeah, they got really good payouts. That's what I saw, and uh, was it that series that they're paying on, like, a at the year-end points, or is that the GOAT Man, series? I that think, might be the GOAT series. Okay. I'm not exactly sure about right. that. Okay. I know the series has some... They pay really well for the top five. I mean, you could go there and run... You know, if you run fourth all day long, you're going to leave with twelve, fifteen hundred $1,500, it looks like to me. Yeah. And that's good. I mean, that's... Um, <clears throat> I think... Was it Alexa Riggins? Is yeah, that? yeah, that's she's, her deal. She's been around, you know, as long as just about anybody. You know? Yeah, yeah. But uh, that's good. I mean, I, I think especially where they live and uh, the people they know and stuff. I mean, it's a great, a great idea for them to, to promote the sport. And I hope it. You know, I think it's only going to get bigger because, like you said, it, 
in the past you go run, it's a thousand to win, and it's like twenty five dollars per second. You know, it, it just it just doesn't make sense. And I no, you know, I, and I hate that too, man. That's how it is. A lot of them races. Yeah. Even locally, it's like you know the five hundred to win shows locally. You better win it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you run second, you're not going to be happy when you you get get to the pay window. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, uh, I guess they're kind of leading into as far as the series and things like that. When you guys sit down, or like you know, you're kind of say you're like the the guru behind a couple teams, just kind of like overseeing and helping, doing tires and stuff. When you guys sit down and think about what series you're going to run. <laughs> Is that just based on what's close, what's paying? Like, how do you decide? Um, uh, basically, just what's close. Like I said, right. I'm not. I don't know if we're really built right now to just, you know, go around the tri-state or go go to South Carolina or you know. I like staying within a certain window. Really, uh, kind of takes the fun out of it, man. When you get much farther than four and a half, four four and a half hours away from the house, to me anyway. Right. You know, it goes from a. That's a whole weekend. <laughs> yeah, trust me, I know. <laughs> That's what uh, you know. Looking back, sometimes I'm thinking about. I sat there. I, I would love to do that. Don't get me wrong, but it's uh, we're not quite there yet. We gotta just take so much more, and probably need a lot more financial help to be able to pull something like that off at this right. point. So anybody out there that's got a bunch of chunks of money, <laughs> you can throw them this way. <laughs> so as far as uh. So when you so you've kind of backed out of racing the past few years. Is that um, like how was that? Like how did um do you like it? Do you miss it? Like do you do you enjoy getting as much out of it by helping people win as you did you know running yourself? Honestly, I get more out of it. I think it. I don't know. It just feels better to me seeing helping somebody and seeing them win. I, I don't know what it is about it. But I guess it was about two. It was the beginning of 2017. Uh, May of 2017 was actually the last race I ran. And funny enough, it was the first race I ran in 2017 <laughs> too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just wasn't able to race a whole lot. The local stuff was kind of wishy-washy at the point. At that point, there weren't a ton of local races, and Delmar was kind of struggling. And I wasn't getting to race very often, which is not a good thing you got to be ready you got to be all in on this shit man you, and uh i don't know that same year i was actually helping hunter heck and we had an uh, we had a traveling schedule like i was talking about earlier and i don't know i just enjoy that a little more that i don't as far as driving myself i just felt like it was kind of a half-ass effort at that point right even the year before i felt like i was kind of I was just doing it more so for the guys that helped me, like Kenny Ayers, he supported me forever, my dad, and I felt like I was just going out there and going through the motions, man, and it just wasn't as fun, I wasn't getting to race all the time, and the results were starting to show, and right. like I said, I ran that first race in 17, and it wasn't until May that we ran that year, we should have, right. you know, we should have been racing fucking 10 times before that. Right, right, right. And, uh... I don't know. On the ride home that night, I was just I just kind of asked myself. I was like, "Man, what in the hell are you doing?" Like, I just decided, you know, let's just help these other guys. We're having more fun. We'll put them. I was putting them first anyway, you know. And right. My stuff was kind of on the back burner. And I don't know. This really wasn't worth it to me anymore. That's at the time anyway. So when you so right there at the end, that's kind of you brought up something I was thinking about. Is so you were actually racing against people you were helping. Right? Yeah. A little yeah, bit. I was racing against Michaela. And, so uh, who gets the best set of tires on something like that? Michaela normally got them. <laughs> it showed. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's, you know, that's got to be a, a, you know, that's got to be a tough thing. I always think about the guys, like, that have a couple customers in the same class. Like, that's got to be tough to deal with. That's why I, when I kind of switched to really just helping Brandon Alex, and I didn't do anything for anyone, I figured... I'd rather deal with one pissed off parent than like yeah, six yeah. of them. You yeah. know what I mean? Because everyone's gonna. And, think and not only else, her, so. man. It was at that time like I don't. I was friends with a lot of people that I was racing against. Like you know, that whether it be drinking buddies or just bullshit. And I, I seemed like I was friends with half the field, and that's not a good thing, man. Because I, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of lost that killer instinct that I once had, and it was just I don't. It just wasn't as fun as it, as it used to be. It's not good being friends with the, with everybody you're racing with. Yeah. It's almost kind of hard when there's only six or seven people in the area. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, 
I mean, who can you really talk to about stuff like that? Then you end up, you know, even the guy you're buying parts from or something, you know, you're racing against them. It just, it's, yeah. it's kind of weird. I always, that's why I always like, I'd rather go away and race because, you know, you go away and you see these little, like, feuds going on where people that race all the time. You can, if you're not in that area, you can kind of slip in and slip out without too much trouble, mm-hmm. you know, without all the animosity and, and backstory and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I definitely get that. And uh, so, so currently, do all of um, what kind of chassis are all your guys riding right now? Um, I I've always been on Phantom, and that's what Cole Michaela's got. The Latham kid actually has a Premier, and I I told him, you know, just stay on that Premier. I kind of think that's a really good junior cart. So yeah. I look forward to messing with that a little bit. That's, have you? So you haven't messed with the Premier chassis at all? No, no, never. Yeah, they were... No, um, I never even looked at one until a couple months ago. Gotcha, gotcha. They're up close anyway, you know. Yeah, they, um... Obviously, a couple years before I was I left or whatever, they were, they were starting to get bigger into it. And, uh, and Austin Banker, you know, from my understanding, has done a really good job helping them get to the next level and and them helping him also. You yeah. Know? I mean, he, I think he's a lot like us. It's... We don't have a big pocketbooks and like in the family, so we had to you know, yeah. try to find opportunities where we could. So I'm I know most people like if they helping somebody, they're gonna say, "Well, you need to be on this chassis, or be on this chassis." But I've I've done so much with so little. I'm just like, man, stay on that, save your money. You know what I mean? We'll, right. we'll make it work or try to make it work anyway. Give it a good effort. Yeah, no, I agree, man. I think that, um, and I think a lot of times it's it's not it's just an easier thing to do. You know, if you if you're building motors and you ride X, Y, and Z, it's just. To buy the whole package and stuff like that. I've always kind of thought the opposite. I'd rather be like, uh, of course, <clears throat> learning from Hammer. You know, I mean, Hammer that the Hammer Jack Messick that worked with the yeah. Moon Man and stuff. That's who I really learned tires under and, and helped me out, and give me my opportunity uh, to travel with Hubbard back in the day. And um, and he was always, uh, you know, he'd always rather be the outlaw. Like, you know, he'd yeah. rather be on something different and almost to kind of prove, like, you can win on anything yeah. you know, and stuff like well, that. Well, I think you I think you can, man. I think all these carts are pretty good, but uh, I don't know. I've just always got Phantom stuff. It's easy to get information. It's right. easy to get parts. They're easy to work on. Everything kind of just fits right and goes together good. And I've messed with some other stuff there. A few years back, I actually rode a Millennium, but it was just, it was hard to get information. It was a pain in the ass to try to order parts, and I don't know. It's all up to you, I guess, but. Yeah, I mean, it's like fast food. It's whatever's convenient. (laughs) You know, if you're at the track and you can't get parts to replace what you need, you you know, most people can't afford to just have an extra cart of parts there, and that plays a large role into it. I mean, I know back in the day, like, we rode um, Prowlers, and, we sold them and stuff, and it we ran into that. that sometimes. Just sometimes, just not not even hard from them. Just not not knowing how many of everything you would need that night or whatever. Yeah, so, um, I think you know location's got a lot to do with it too. I mean, yeah, but just being up in this area, just Phantom's just the easiest for me, anyhow. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I, I think not out on any kind of island with Phantom. You know, you kind of right. most of the time it's normally not the go kart's fault. No, no, listen. I mean, it depends who you. There is to. good carts and bad carts. I mean, you can get any cart you get. That you liable to get one that turns better than another one, or one that just scales out better, one that goes together better, one you like more. But that's anything. Yeah, absolutely, man, absolutely, and that's um, I mean, that's a large part into it as far as. Uh, from my point of view, I'll be honest with you, I, I mean, I traveled for years, but I was never, I never worried about motors. I didn't try to learn about it. Like, I mean, chassis. I mean, I spent a lot of time doing it but I really just focused on tires and my theory was um, you know skip a weekend if you have to but get someone that knows what they're doing um, you know get a Todd Miller get whoever I mean pay the money to get the chassis put together because seat placement and stuff like that it's just there's too many things he could sit down and write it all down for us or Matt Connell could write a little diagram and we still wouldn't duplicate that you know I mean yeah. if you can just pay it it's well worth the money you know um, and I think well, I've always put all my own carts together I've always pride, had a lot of pride in that, but uh, yeah, yeah. If you're just starting out or whatever, you're way better off to get somebody yeah. else to put yourself together. You, I see that a lot in local racing. You just look at carts, man, and you just—I can see the seat in a bind just by looking at it, or right. I can see the body in a bind. It's all that little shit that adds up. Most, you know, a lot of people don't get it, or they might not have somebody one tell them that's how it needs to be, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and, and like I said, I mean, you, and you don't have to send it down to you know, any of the top guys, but in your local area, there's going to be a couple top guys that you can find. And, oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I'm a, just like with you, I think I, you know, I posted, um, you know, I always think that people, if you can buy used tires from a good, 
a good team, you know, like that. Just uh, you're gonna save money. You're gonna help them out a little bit. Get rid of something that's really gonna be trash, and you know that's gonna be worth it as far as you know a little bit of knowledge. That if, if I was buying from you, you'll be able to kind of you know the history of the tire. You can kind yeah. of point me in the right direction, and it's gonna save me a bunch of money. I just I don't know why more people don't don't do stuff like that. But. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I'm not sure either, but you see a lot of locals like that that would be way better off doing that because they're getting a tire that's really you know it's not junk it's been worked properly for the most part and and the guy they get it from is probably going to tell them what they need to do for their certain situation but yeah i mean most guys aren't making a living doing this so it's i mean there's a couple people a handful of people but if you know hypothetically if someone bought a couple sets from you and you had you know 100 bucks or whatever it's like that's a little bit of i mean that's how it was for me and i'm sure it's the same way I mean, yeah. it's just it's extra money for whatever it could be for drinking it could be for your kids diaper I mean, it, <laughs> does, it doesn't even matter you know but like you you know a lot of people that you would want to buy from have put the time in and on um, you know knowledge is going to cost a little bit of money so it's, yeah. that's a cheap way to get tire knowledge in my my opinion personally and, um, back back a little bathroom break grab another beer uh, ready to go again uh, so we were, when we left off, we were just talking about kind of, uh, you know, once you get to a certain level, you know, maybe trying to find someone that is pretty good in your area and, you know, trying to cop some tires from them. And not only are you helping yourself out with knowledge, but you're helping them out with a little bit of money that, you know, generally they would probably be throwing away, you know. Um, yeah, I feel there's quite a few teams in this area that you could get stuff from like that, and it definitely benefits you a lot, but... Uh... I don't know. I'm not sure how some of them people think. I'm not sure how they go about getting that kind of stuff or where they even get their information from. But yeah. they should look into it for sure because I could think of a handful of teams that that would make a lot more sense to do something like that. Definitely. And I think that, um, you know, you kind of alluded to it. Like, where do where do newcomers, uh, people starting out, kind of get their information? And there's not, I mean, there's not really a lot of places. I know, I know you and I are, like, long-time... Bob Forcycle forum, <laughs> forum readers and savers and discussions and stuff like that and and even then I think that uh you know I think that was the original fake news because <laughs> you got to kind of even with that you got to know what you're looking for on yeah there. you almost have to pick out one or two people that you have some kind of credibility and just read their posts yeah there's only a couple people on there that I'll read their stuff and uh and the bad part, the bad part is anybody could get on there and post. You know, you're getting information from every Tom, Joe, and Harry on there, and they might be king of shit in southeastern Kentucky, but you know, you don't know really what you're getting, and that's it's a good tool, but at the same time, it could you get a lot of bad information on there too. You just gotta know how to kind of siphon uh, through it a little bit. Yeah, no, I definitely agree, man. Like I said, it's uh. It was like the original fake news, man. You, yeah. you really got to pick and choose. Um, and in this area, the bad part is there's not as many, you know, back in the day growing up, we were fortunate. We had Robinson Speed Shop. You had, you know, HP Speed was a big thing. There was, newcomers could really get some good information rather easily. Now, these days, there's just really not a whole lot of that around here. No, there's not. I mean, I remember as a young, like, a younger kid, like when I was eight, nine, I used to love to go down to Robinson Speed Shop and... You know, they had a, the section out front. I mean, I remember going to the one down in Pittsville um, mm -hmm. on Oldish and City Road. And, you know, just going around and touching all the stuff. And you'd have two or three guys in there talking. And, it, I mean, it's almost like it's kind of like a little bit of the inspiration behind this podcast is, you know, you could go down there and hang out and do your deal. Um, and you would pick up something. You know, you could yeah. at least talk about it. And, you know, so if you're loyal to them, then... You know, people around there are going to be loyal to you. You know, you yourself, I mean, there's not many people that probably come to you and ask you a question that you're going to, you're not going to lie to anyone. You know, there's, there's yeah. no need for that. Um, so No, I kind of shoot everybody straight. Not too many people ask me much, though, so. Yeah, and I, a lot of people, I think, you know, in my opinion, generally if you're not spending money with that person, like, you don't want to ask them anything. Yeah. It's just like the unwritten rule of the garden, but, um... That's why I never really left my trailer a whole lot, like, after after we really got yeah, into it. Yeah, so. I don't know if I want a whole lot of people asking me much anyway. You know, I'm kind of happy with, with what I got, you yeah, know. Three or four people, that's, like, the most I can really handle anyhow. Yeah, absolutely. And um, But I feel like i got to put so much time, I want to put so much time in each of them. Like, some of them cart shops, you know, they're just, you know, I'm not saying they're trying to get your money, but that... They're trying to get your money, and they just yeah. I mean, they're doing it for a living, and we're doing it to win. Yeah, I mean, it's just there's a different um, a different end goal that we have, and 
Uh, you know, I'm sure it's hard. There was there was a period of time, like a year and a half, where go karting was my only income, and just selling go karts and putting them together and try and just. It, it took for me personally. It took the fun out of it. I just, I just didn't enjoy it. I felt like it was just, it, you know, what I loved about it became more of a job than an actual hobby. Yeah, and that's, you know, I just try to keep it small. Like I, I enjoyed helping two or three people, and I can give them, you know, hundred percent. Yeah. Whereas if if you take on much more, somebody's getting cut short somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Hammer Hammer used to always say, you know, if you had three guys come in at lunchtime, you got one big sub there. Well, if one of them eats it, they're going to be full. But <laughs> if you spread it out between three different people, everybody's still going to be a little hungry. You know? And that and that's I mean, essentially that's what you just said. I mean, and I agree with it. It's just the more people, uh, sometimes it's just not better, you know. And really, I don't. It just it takes up so much time. I'm not even. I'm not even sure how you would even do it. Yeah, I. I don't uh, I don't either, man. Like, I, I don't know how these guys have a full time shop and do that stuff. But um, like I mean, just speaking of time and stuff, just um, let's say just a typical if you were racing local, like only road local every other week on Friday nights, like what would your typical week look like? Um, kind of getting ready for that Friday night. We'll say a Friday night race or whatever. Like, just like a Del Mar or something. Yeah, just we'll say a Del Mar. If it well, really applies to anybody racing local. But what does your your week look like ideally? Well, I mean. Mondays normally when I cleaned everything up. Luckily, I haven't had to clean a go kart in a couple of years. So <laughs> that makes racing a lot. Yeah, better, so yeah. so I kind of Monday I'm normally unloading the trailer, you know, looking at our tires, seeing what needs to be flipped or dismounted, and I don't know. I'll take a look at the weather, and if it's a track you're going to, I mean, you're kind of familiar with probably what you're going to need anyway. And right, I don't know. I'll wipe tires probably Tuesday, Wednesday, and normally be ready by Thursday and uh, I don't know what else you want me to touch on there but no I mean that's that's about it I mean when you're looking at the weather are you looking <clears throat> are you gonna are you trying to uh, if it's gonna rain are you gonna make sure you have a set backed up if it's a chance of that are you looking at the temperature wise are you looking at <sighs> the weather before Man. the race I mean yeah it's, it's all situational I mean a lot of places you know if, if you're familiar with the place you got a pretty good idea how it's gonna be you know, based on if it's going to rain or if it's not going to rain. Uh, if it's a track you don't race that as much, you know, you kind of got to rely, have, a, have another person or something to talk to. I try to keep a couple of acquaintances down south that I could hit up if I need some answers on stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, definitely. I look at the rain. Uh, I usually look about two weeks out, really, most places. Yeah. Just kind of see how much rain they've had or if it's been dry or the time of year's got a lot to do with it too, man. That's just such a situational question. It's kind of hard to answer, really. Right, right. No, I agree. I, I know you're big into the weather and the soil and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I, I, that really just came about because of the place I was working at, I, I tested soil and I, that's I don't know. And I tested all day long, and just the more I learned about it, the more and not that I really tried to like make some big gains on it, but if it's a soil structure that's sandier, obviously it's not going to hold water as much. So. Right. Uh, especially as you get into the summer where it can go from, if you get a rain shower, it could be a decent track to yeah. you know, like the Del Mar Dome or even like Albemarle and stuff. When it gets dry and sandy, like they, they just slick off real bad. Yeah. Know? Yeah, it's got a lot to do with the season too. I mean, you know, it's spring or something. If you say it's raining a lot in the spring, you know, you're probably going to have to be on something that's a little more wiped up. Whereas if it's a summertime and it's got a lot of rain, it might make that track the best it's been all year. If it's a hot, you know, yeah. a hot day, they had a lot of rain, then it's a nice weekend, then that place probably going to get down more than likely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so are you playing on uh, your little, your local crew, the guys that, um, I guess, Cole and Michaela, are they... You guys plan on running any, uh, any local shows this year? Um, any kind of, um, I don't even know what the local schedule is. I mean, I, they're pretty busy, but yeah, I, I'm sure that's all Michaela runs. She, they, they're just kind of they run a lot of local stuff anyway. They might get away once or twice a year, but and then Cole, as far as his local stuff, he kind of does his own deal as far as the local stuff. I don't really, I'm not too involved with that. Gotcha, gotcha. Now he, he just won a champ buggy race, um, or a flat car race up to um. At, Atlantic City. Oh, um, yeah, they finished good. Or I don't know if he won. I think he finished second in Atlantic City, but that—that's he's with Shane Bass for all that deal. It, they but they went to I think King George a couple weeks ago and won a flat car race. Yeah, I mean that's what it was. I think I'm getting yeah. too confused. Yeah, and Shane. Which Bass. is cool. It's cool to keep racing like that, you know. Yeah, definitely. Do you do you think? Um, you know, I've never even been to an asphalt oval race. <clears throat> I've never been to one. 
Not many of those uh, anymore, man. I, <laughs> when I race back when I was, I don't know, 17, 18, 19, 20 or whatever, I um, I ran the little paving series and stuff like that. Yeah, I remember well, that. They used to have the pro kart tour. And yeah, the yeah. One in Indiana, Atlanta, and uh, it was like the only race that day they got there. And um, I, the only couple times I made it, <clears throat> even at that age, I felt like my left front arm was going to fall. <laughs> my, my left arm was about ready to fall off after 20 laps. They were in like 250 lappers and yeah. stuff, didn't they? Yeah, and uh, we went out to, I think it was... Uh, Shelbyville, Tennessee, maybe out there, and we ran 250 laps, and they broke it up into 50 laps or 50 lap segments, and I, I almost died. And then, <laughs> seriously, man, I thought I someone was gonna have to scrape. I mean, my hand was so jammed up, but um, yeah, I, I don't even know how that's even possible. Yeah, Lord. especially on a bad go kart. You know? <laughs> if you were like back then, it was Kerry Parnell, and those guys were uh, on a whole different level. Man, it looked like they were out there on a Sunday drive, but um. I uh, I went to a couple gold cup races back in the day with a old Chip Disharoon. It was kind of fun to go to. I did run Chestertown one time, and I had a lot of fun doing that. But I I felt like I wrestled Hercules after that damn race. Man, yeah. my forearms were just stuck. That's uh, I don't I don't know much about the whole the road course stuff. I'm Me neither. I've actually um not to put him on the spot, but Kevin Colburn, <laughs> I'm just getting him to listen to this, and hopefully he'll come on here and talk. But uh, I do have some questions about that stuff. I was. Uh, not that I know a lot of guys that did, but I remember when I raced against Matt Jester. He was, um, it, to me, even at that age, it just seemed like those guys were just, at least locally, were a little better at maneuvering the potholes and like really yeah. like search, searching the track, so to speak, as opposed to really just riding what you theoretically should be the right yeah. line. Yeah, Matt Jester, he really impressed me when he'd come over to the dirt side of things there for a year or two. He didn't do it very often, and when he did, he was really good. No, he did. He was, um, you know, running second to him enough, just watching him. You know, yeah. it was, it was uh, just see his, him get around those and stuff. It was, uh, it was impressive for me. And well, I guess after you know, you run track or you turn twenty times, a couple left hand turns probably <clears throat> a little easier to navigate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, <laughs> especially when you got uh, the Delaware done, you got the sandy potholes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so let's let's get back to your racing a little bit. So so you started racing. Well, say, how many years was it until you maybe ventured out to, I guess back in those days, like a Virginia race would be like a, a bigger race to get yeah. to go to and stuff like that? Yeah, back then, the you know, the Virginia series was huge. That was probably... Three or four hundred go-karts? Yeah. yeah. Or entries, I guess, not go-karts. But. Hell, it had to be like one of the top three toughest series going, I would say. But yeah, stuff like that, man. We never did a ton of traveling. We were more so like two or three times a year we'd go somewhere. If, if we were running good up here, we'd, hey, let's give it a shot. Right. Never really set the world on fire. You know, never really won anything down there. But we went every now and again. It was fun. We went to some WK Nationals, and, you know, we were happy if we just made the field. Yeah, no, trust me, I've been there. Uh, that's why making the switch over to kind of going with um, with Brandon and Alex White, being able to race on their money, you know what I mean, <laughs> was a little bit nicer. It, I, it always, in my mind, I didn't mind losing necessarily. I mean, I'm pretty competitive, but... It's like sometimes when you think like maybe I just if I had another set or if I didn't have to scr- you know scrunch on oh, this yeah. and um it's nice to know I'd rather get beat knowing there was nothing else we could have bought and um yeah you know I mean I'm okay with that sometimes it's like not not knowing sometimes like you know like, yeah you, I I would have liked to got to do it a little more but we just that just didn't happen you know the stars never aligned yeah I mean it's even back then I mean you I don't know I have kids now it's. You know, just bills line up, and it it does, especially now anymore. I mean, you you know, it seems like the biggest the biggest part of card anymore is entry fees. You know. Oh God, yeah. It's uh, you got to go win a thousand dollars to be able to pay for your weekend. Yeah. You know, it's kind of crazy, but um, it's not. Yeah, you gotta you're gonna have three or four hundred most most big races if you if you're trying to run everything that you got to run to potentially be good. You're gonna have three or four hundred dollars in entry fees. Yeah, absolutely. It's fucking crazy to be honest with you. And parking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got you. They're going to get you everywhere, man. I'm a, I was always the guy like, I'll take the free spot in the back. And it'll be fine with me. Yeah, it's not bad some places. <laughs> man, man, uh, some places, phew, you need to take somebody with you just to push this guy. Yeah, it's almost like a big dick contest, really, that parking deal. Yeah, it's, it's always, it was always kind of weird to me. And I, and I get it. I mean, without them making money, they're not kind of the track. But it's like, you know, who else? Major League Baseball players don't pay for tickets to see themselves. You know? <laughs> I just, I don't know, it just seemed like there was a lack of promotion. And I've said this on Twitter and Facebook, and it's nothing against anyone in particular, but just, you know, it, it came more about creating entry fees and, than it ever did about promoting the sport. And, uh, and I don't have the, I certainly don't have the answers. And maybe we'll touch on that a little bit later. Me neither. I mean, that's kind of 
sore subject that I feel like everybody talks about. But, yeah, I mean... But, yeah, the racers are paying for themselves, really. I mean, they're paying their own purses. And yeah. That's just part of it these days. Yeah, I don't have the answers either, man. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. But, um... So, when when did you win your first Delaware State Championship? Uh, 1999. We actually won two that year. I think it was junior stock and junior restricted at the time. It was a pretty big deal at the time. I mean, that that series was really tough back then, and there was a lot of a lot of the guys that I was racing against. You know, they were running the nationals or winning VDK races and stuff like that. So it was, it was a pretty big deal to us, anyway. No, I mean, I I'd say it's a big deal to a lot of people, man. It's it's hard to win in general, especially when you got guys, not just one, but you've got two or three guys that are legit contenders yeah. on, that could win a national race to come to your home track. They were, the they were. I mean, I think that same year, J.P. Gates, he ran the Delaware deal, and he won two nat. I think he won Charlotte and somewhere in Tennessee that same year in junior stocks. So right. that meant a lot to us. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be, I mean, it's got to be a big win, and uh, especially when you weren't really traveling a whole lot, and uh, no, we hadn't been anywhere. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> a pretty big deal, and I, and I, I think we went to Charlotte that year just because we were feeling a little frisky. Yeah, made the race. That's about it. Right, right. When, um, so when I guess when you started racing, I mean, you've all you have, in my opinion, I mean, you have a high race IQ. Like that's why we said you were literally the only person I ever text back and forth or really talk to about tires because it just. And I don't know how to explain it, and I certainly know that someone talking to me that's a high level would probably think I'm an idiot, but <laughs> there's, there's a lot more than just the, the surface conversations and things like, you know, like really understanding the chassis and the, you, especially you driving, and yeah. I mean, just understanding the whole game, not just, you know, kind of like the outskirts of it and stuff like that, but when, when did you start to transition from the kid, the, the son, the driver, <laughs> to like really... Maybe even start doing not not that you had to do your tires full time, but when did you really start approaching like your own tire deal and trying to trying um, to put more effort to that? Well, I, my dad had taught me from the beginning that you know I had to maintain everything. You know, that <clears throat> the first year it was a week or two after I started racing, he was showing me like, look, you got to do this, wash this, clean this, do this. Let me pause you there. Uh, more dad should be doing this, by the way. <laughs> Just let me add that in there. Okay, sorry about that. Go ahead. Yeah, some kids, they don't even know how to fucking clean a go-kart. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I would say probably by the time I was 18, I was... I forget what actually led to it. We I think we got struggling, really. We had one year where we kind of struggled quite a bit, and stuff wasn't going right, and... You know, me and my dad, if anybody knows us, we get fired up at the track. We, we've caused some scenes. <laughs> Well, and one night I was just like, uh, I don't know, it was on the ride home or the next day or something. Uh, I was like, man, let me try, you know, <laughs> let me try to do something with these tires or do something with this car. And I was, you know, and he did kind of, I don't think he liked the idea at the time, but I was like, man, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not sure if you know what you're doing right now, but I got a good idea of what not to do at this point. And, I don't know. I just kind of eased into it, you know. I'm, at the time, I don't think my dad was too happy about it, but I'd say looking back at it, he probably, I don't know if he'd admit it or not, but I'd say he's probably pretty proud of the situation. That yeah. It was a lot of trial and error, though. I mean, yeah. you know, we were up and down, up and down, up and down, but I wouldn't have had it any other way, I guess. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, I kind of went through the same thing. Uh, my Uncle Ronnie was really instrumental in really keeping my program going and into it, and um, and I really didn't start doing my own stuff until, like, about the same age, really, yeah. like 18, 19, when I started traveling with, with Austin Hubbard from Delaware and um, when they won the national championship. And and I just, you know, I only knew, like, there was a goat pee and hot lap, too. You yeah, know what I mean? that's and that was, about all I knew. Yeah, and, uh, and it's really about all really? I still know. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say. If you know them, too, you're pretty going to be pretty good in most situations. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, honestly. And um, so I know there's, like, a little bit of a struggle there. I just, like, I'm, I can only imagine if... Um, you know, if my kids ever want to race and stuff like that, that transition, I mean, yeah. you know, like, uh, but you know, yeah, cause you know, you got to kind of turn them loose at yeah. the same time. You know, you're probably not going to run very good for a little while. Yeah. You know, and it's just one of those things that if, if you really, if you do your job right as a mentor or a, a parent or an uncle or whatever, they should be better than you. You know what yeah. I mean? And, um, you know, that's, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow because we're all in this because we're competitive and shit like that. So, um, anyway. I think a lot of the, another thing, a lot of the parents is they don't really let the kids do a whole lot these days. I don't know why. They're, I don't. Maybe the kids are not interested as much as they used to be. But I, maybe it's a generation thing. But 
You don't see the kids really work on stuff like like I remember kids in our generation working mm. on stuff anyway. Right. No. No. I, there might be some that I just don't see. Don't get me wrong. But right. Right. I, I can think of certain ones that do. Absolutely. But I can also think of certain ones that could care less. You know, they probably couldn't even tell you what air pressure even running a go-kart tire a lot of them and these are kids that's probably winning on a high level <laughs> yeah no, no i'm with you there's a lot of drivers out there um and i th- you know i think sometimes too there's a lot of parents that are in it because they want to be in it and you can even see their kids will be in it for a little while and they stay in it way longer than they ever should you mm-hmm. know they just they're going through the motions and um that's kind of i know you don't have kids yet uh, maybe you never will you might have some out there i, I don't know <laughs> but uh I, i'll be all right with that one yeah and, uh, but i know with my kids like Especially, I have an eight-year-old, so everyone's like, oh, when do you get your kid in racing? Or when I had him, oh, I can't wait till he gets in racing. And I'm like, you know, that that's what I was into, you know? I mean, that's yeah. not, no one ever pushed me into anything, and um, I think more parents could probably be a little better about that, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, if they are into it, if they want to do it, let them, you know? Yeah. Uh, Actually, I got a seven-year-old little brother who, uh, but he's never really been around racing, you know? He's only been up to the track a couple times, but, you know, he's... We haven't been racing much since he's been kicking. Right. You know. Yeah, and I, people ask me like, "When's he gonna start racing?" I, I don't know if it, I don't know if it'll ever happen. You know, my dad don't really have the interest in it that he once had, and just because you do it, don't mean you know the rest of your family's got to do the stuff either. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know my kid; he's into some martial arts and soccer and baseball. I mean, and when they're into it, you'll know. Like they yeah. won't, they won't stop bugging you. You yeah. know what I mean? But um, and I, like you said too. I mean, we both of our. Our dads were into it. My grandparents. I'm sure your your grandfather. I mean, just every if you're around. I mean, that's it. Seemed like all the people that are have been around for a while. We all know the same stories from Delaware International Speedway you know, <laughs> as a kid and watching the, the track championships and just growing up with the people and stuff like that. So, um, like you said, you're you're just around them. You don't know anything else. Like yeah. That. So, uh, well. so what uh. All right, so after, you know, things kind of switched over to you, you're getting, like, towards your 20s and stuff like that. Did um, do you ever get any opportunities to drive for anybody outside of uh, just, like, your own little program? Yeah, I got a few. Nothing really worked out the greatest, but I uh, we did some race. I did some race with Brian Bradford. We went to a few places a couple of years. and Actually, there was been with Bradford a few times off and on, mm-hmm. but uh, we had some good runs, but we never... You know, never won a big race or never got to do it a lot. It was kind of like periodically hit and miss. Uh, actually, ran for Chad Hayes a couple of times. That was more of a local thing, but right. Yeah, I kind of been around the block. There's not too many people I haven't drove for around here. Right, right. Is um, I, I never drove for anyone else or anything like that. But um, like as far as your own deal and then racing for see another speed shop or another team, like what are any differences from a driver's point of view? Any things you're like... No. Yeah, there's usually two crew chiefs <laughs> instead of one. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only bad thing. That's like when me and Brian race together, man. Uh, and and we do a lot of the same stuff, you know. We, we kind of think the same. We've always bounced information off each other, but... Mm-hmm. I don't know, we kind of clash a little bit. Like, I'd want to do one thing, he'd want to do one thing, and I'd mm-hmm. just kind of let him do it, but... Right. Sometimes it don't work out like you know as good as you would think it would. I've I've always just liked to do my own thing and uh, I, you know if I ran bad or something I, I could kind of sleep better at night knowing I was the one that made the made the bad call or the bad decision. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, um, Brian Bradford, man, he's been. I'd like to get him on here one time too. He's been certainly as far as in our area. I mean, going back to his dad, just like us. I mean, he's he's been in the go kart world forever. Oh yeah. I know he's. Uh, he texted me the other day, text back and forth, and I'm uh, still doing good. I think he's going to uh, take a little bit of a break maybe this year and kind of yeah. see what's going on. He said he wants to explore some things outside of racing and said, just don't have any kids. <laughs> no, nah, he, he's been a really big part of my career, honestly, as far as behind the scenes and, you know, even. Yeah. He, he has, and, uh, and he's never, I mean, he's not, I, well, from my understanding, I mean, he's not like a big speed shop, but he's always been someone that has supported through sponsorship and stuff like I mean just like I mean Charlie Hayes you know I mean they're not really I don't I don't even know if they even have their speed shop anymore no I don't think they do yeah but uh, I mean both of them they've they're they've always been big supporters um Ace Atkins now he has you know running the track over there I mean one of the better run tracks probably in the area they have the little money races and they really give back to mm-hmm. uh, from I haven't been over there but from what I understand it's 
a little bit more like racing should be, you know, a little yeah. more family oriented, camping out type deal and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Excitement. Um. If you've made it this far, thanks for listening. Episode two, which will be part two of the Richie Hornsby interview, will be out in a few days. So keep checking. You can subscribe on Apple or anywhere you find your podcasts. And I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, I might go get me a new tattoo. Or take my old Harley for a three-day cruise. Might even grow me a full man chew. And it's a great day to be alive. I know the sun's still shining when I close my eyes. There's some hard times in the neighborhood. But why can't every day be just?